0: that's right check out the top
1: hey i love it i love that actually where'd you get that i i have never seen that
0: before. uh paul gets me
1: oh yes yeah, <laughs> he I think, always um, has the shirts
0: i think it was in um maybe uzbekistan yeah
1: oh okay okay well yeah so, yeah, yeah yes the time difference apologies yeah but-
0: yeah if that's, that's cool.
1: The case, I will try and keep it relatively brief, so you can. Yeah,
0: I was looking. I, I just, had, I just had a look at the, uh, all the questions. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Those questions that you sent to me, I was just laughing about them. My favorite muscle. <laughs>
1: <Hey>. <laughs>
0: that's the only question I remember.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? The last one, just the I one see, you actually really want to talk about. <laughs> yeah, let me see. What's going on?
2: can you see uh oh
0: uh, is it, can you see the fire the, the fire it here
1: is. oh that's it's right. really
0: cold here
1: i was about to say yeah you're entering winter over there
0: oh it's the middle of winter right
1: eh? oh yeah goodness
0: yeah
1: yeah i'm, I'm over, over the here. cold coach i'm over the cold i finished my last winter i'm done where are you which 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 side are you in there and I'm in Virginia. I'm in the East Coast on the US. Oh. Yeah.
0: I can get cold. I can get cold there, oh. Eh?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. This past year it uh snowed a bunch, actually. I was just I was, you know, it would be the last winter I have here, it'd be snowing more frequently than I, I would like.
0: <laughs> I saw yeah, I saw on some of your um Instagram shots uh that look pretty cold.
1: Oh yeah. Definitely.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: Well, so so
0: did you get a did you get a um a doctorate of physiotherapy like yeah, a, yeah. a master's? Yeah.
1: Uh, no, I got my yeah. doctorate of physical therapy degree just this past May, and so really I figured what better time to pick your brain because I've always wanted to. Even as an athlete, I'm sure if you could remember, probably first first time we met to 2011, I had way too many questions. <laughs>
0: I remember eh? yeah.
1: too many questions
0: <laughs> yeah you're not you're not the first person um that actually um like my neighbor for instance a young guy he was only nine years old when we moved to this house and um he uh he was interested in physiotherapy then and all the rugby players that were you know like all blacks and that they're all at our house for barbecues and he asked all these questions, all these questions. Then one day, I found out he yeah he became a, a qualified physiotherapist, married uh- a Irish physiotherapist, and now he's got a successful business in New Zealand. Yeah,
1: it's amazing. It's amazing. Crazy, yeah. Eh? yeah. Yeah, and so well, thank you for agreeing to do this. And really, that's that's partly why I wanted to interview outside of my personal gain, but yeah. just to highlight your career and showcase that to other people who are potentially interested in this field because it's such an amazing field and
2: uh,
1: oh yeah i i really owe a lot to you as far as your influence in me going for it you and other people like ryan dr claris but that is really the reason why i wanted to interview you today so we can just we can start we can go through the questions but what We'll
0: go with introductions
1: first
2: and foremost. Okay. So tell me more. Uh, about yourself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Physiotherapist. Yeah. Living in New Zealand um, qualified. I mean, I went straight from school and in those days it was a three-year course. And then we had a year where we had to uh, work practically you know, to be registered. Mm-hmm. So it's really, a, it was a four-year course, but they used to call it a three-year course. And now they've officially called it a four-year course. And then you can do your postgraduate stuff afterwards. But I qualified straight from high school. I was qualified when I was 20.
2: Oh, my gosh, coach.
0: So, I know. Crazy, eh? And I um, started work in Wellington and New Zealand after qualifying in Dunedin. Wow. Dunedin's one of the only two physiotherapy schools in New Zealand. So two. One in Auckland and one in Dunedin. And um, I qualified in Dunedin, went to Wellington for two years,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then ran my own hospital. Actually, um, I got promoted to a little town of five thousand people uh, when I was twenty. When, yeah, when I was twenty-two years old. So I had uh, physios and physiotherapy assistants, and I actually had to do everything in this one one sort of small town of five thousand people. We had, you know, orthopedics in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then I had my um sort of hour or so with the geriatrics and then a bit of stuff with pediatrics. And then I, in the afternoon for two or three hours I'd do the outpatient's clinic. Yeah. Unbelievable. I had no idea you did this. Yeah, right? it was crazy. I was and impressed. I had my own house and everything. It was and it was a good pay scale. Mm-hmm. And that's where I met my beautiful wife. She was a oh. um a, a nurse in theater. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then I at that stage I was also, a track sprinter, 100-metre sprinting, right? And
2: mm-hmm.
0: I, um, when I was in Waipukurel, this is a small town, I um, I had three months to train by myself outside of all the coaching from my father, coaching from all the other athletes and stuff, and, and being involved with other athletes. I had to run on a small track which had, like, bumps and holes in it. And, and I had three months to train, and I thought I was never going to make it to the nationals. I qualified, because, and I won the national title while I was at that small town.
1: Like, like, wait, so you're so running the hospital, the and you're <laughs> yeah. and yeah, you and so that was in,
0: that was 1980, right? And mm-hmm. so it was sort of like you know it made the national, like it made the um, local paper. It was a headline. It made that I was the New Zealand sprint champion because they never had a, a sprint champion. and That was how it tastes. So that was when I was still sprinting in those days. Wow.
2: Yeah. Unbelievable.
0: And then I. That year, I also made the national team to go to the World Champs and World Athletics Cup and and stuff like that. There was a big year for me. Um, and then in eighty, then eighty one, those two, those two uh, competitions. And then I travelled overseas for two years um, uh, with my wife, and then came back to New Zealand in eighty three and continued to be a runner. Yeah, for about the next five years before I took up the bodybuilding. Yeah.
1: Okay, and so yeah. when you're doing the running and the bodybuilding. When you returned to New Zealand, were you still treating patients? Were you still at the same?
0: When I came back, well, when I was overseas, I I spent two years and about eight months of that, I needed to to raise cash, right? Mm -hmm. So I got a job as a physiotherapist in Hastings, England.
2: Oh, wow.
0: In a a hospital. And um, so I continued to work there. But when I came back to New Zealand, I still wanted to continue track. And the best sprinters in that time were in Hamilton, H-Town, where I am now, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i would never been to this town before but i knew that that was where i wanted to continue my track career so came to hamilton with and my wife and i set up in hamilton in a little flat and um yeah i, I started working here just for a couple of other physiotherapists for a couple of years okay. continued the track but my two years overseas didn't really help my track career and i, I still did pretty well i was still pretty quick i mm. could still run 10 6 for the 100 and i was still ranked in the top five in the country
2: amazing
0: but I didn't really win the nationals or do anything big after that. And it was uh, eighty-seven when I was thirty that I retired from the track and focused on the on my physiotherapy career, starting my own business and my family and stuff. Okay. Yeah. So- and then I had a year where I got out of condition. I, I put weight on, you know, I I lost lost my mojo for athletics and stuff. And I just thought, oh, I have to do something. And I has I, I then started my own physiotherapy business in nineteen 19- 85, two years before end of my track career, mm-hmm. and I had a little gym. I started up training in the gym after I'd retired in 87, um, and I, I started mucking around in the gym, and one of my patients was a very good bodybuilder. He looked at me, and he thought, hey, you know what? You want to do something different. You're already 30. you still got something to give. Try, try, try uh, bodybuilding i was, okay so um a year later i was a national champion of a uh, novice national not open national novice champion in bodybuilding yeah
1: unbelievable
0: wow yeah
1: you just went for it you decided why not let's try it I, out Well,
0: what you're doing now like you're doing your powerlifting right yeah. which i've done of course
1: yeah i really and um i, I wanted to doing rack
0: not. pulls and, and racks you know and squats and, and bench and everything and yeah yeah i I did the powerlifting, um, obviously, a lot later. I did the powerlifting when I was a master in 2011 to 2012, 2013 was when I did the um, master's powerlifting. But, um, yeah, I I mean, I just just took to it. Yeah, I loved it.
1: Unbelievable. So what led to your involvement with Guam rugby in particular?
0: Well, in... When I started my business, I was also looking after the Waikato team, right, the rugby team. Mm-hmm. And I also had a, a club, which was my um, main source of income, the Hamilton Old Boys Rugby Club. Mm-hmm. And one, Willie Hitaraka, was playing <laughs> for
2: really? Hamilton
0: Old Boys. Yeah, he was a lock playing for our club. And so he was a patient of mine for many years. And him and all his other Hamilton Old Boys you know, cronies and all the police he was involved with, they were all patients of mine. Mm-hmm. So in 2010, I was still doing some physiotherapy. I wasn't, you know, focusing on big teams. I was doing a few clubs and a bit of uh, first 15 rugby for St. Paul's Collegiate, which is a very prestigious school, right? That's mm-hmm. a, a private school. And I um was looking after the team and Willie had also been involved the year beforehand. And um he came to watch one of the games and he came to the game one day in 2010 and I said, Hey, um, would you like to go to Shanghai in a month? They went for, what for? Said, well, to, be to be physiotherapist for a, um, a sevens rugby team. And I thought, yeah, I didn't even know who, who it was for. I said, yeah, I'll do it. Who's it for? I
1: thought it was going to be yeah. uh, a New Zealand team. <laughs>
0: yeah. And he goes, uh, oh, I'm looking after um, the Guam national men's and women's teams and um, it's the men's sevens in Shanghai. And I'm, yeah, that sounds cool. And then he says, yeah, then um, two months later, we're gonna go to um, Kota Kinabalu to play in uh, Malaysia. I'm, wow, okay, yeah. So I did that in 2010. And so, yeah, it's three Coach Willie, yeah.
1: Yeah, and so can you tell us a little bit more about that experience working with the Guam rugby teams?
0: Oh man, it was great. I, I had no idea what to expect. And um, <laughs> the, the trip started really well because on the, on the actual plane, I was with um, Gordon Titchens, the New Zealand superstar coach, who coached for years. He um, he was like he's the most famous New Zealand sevens coach, and um, I had no idea what to expect. And 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 he was going up there,
2: mm-hmm. and he was
0: on the same plane. We started talking, and he says, "Yeah, I know Coach William, because he he'd been involved with him before in rugby at different levels." And so I got quite excited about it. And he he kind of explained to me what what was what was involved. I had no idea how big the tournament was and stuff, and. Yeah, it was. It was. You know, I met the boys. Literally jumped into um, a transit vehicle at the Shanghai airport, and thirty-three degrees temperature, coming from freezing cold temperature here. Mm-hmm. And then uh, straight straight to the um, park where we were playing. And met met the boys there. Got given my uniform, and we, we were playing. It was crazy. I was like, <laughs> I met I met Paul. because Paul was the first person I met. Of all the players, you know? and. Um, People like Randy and, and Steve Sablan and that, they were all you yeah. know, really welcoming. Oh, and yes. that, it was fantastic. I, I loved it. I just, I, I had no idea what to expect. I just took my own gear, my own uh, massage table, a couple of machines, a little TENS machine, and a little ultrasound and all my kit. And yeah, I was, I now had my own room in a flash hotel. It was pretty cool. got my own little room and became, uh, as you know, I'd set up my clinic yeah. been there before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, the rest was history. It was fantastic. I loved it. And um, I just couldn't wait till the next trip. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that was cool.
1: And so w- what about with with uh, the women's team in particular?
0: Yeah, that was the same, uh, no, next year, actually. Yes, that's that, so that year we had two trips. We went to um, Shanghai, Kota Kinabalu, and the next year we didn't have a men's trip that year. We had the ladies, as you know, in Numia. New Caledonia, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And uh, fond
0: memories of that because I'd, I'd never looked after a ladies team before. And um, I, really? I think the thing that um I had to do that year was a reflection for the physiotherapy board here in New Zealand mm-hmm. on my trip and um, looking after the ladies team. And, of course, the thing I always remember was, for instance, the ladies, you know, always like um, wanting to, at the last minute, go and have a pee. I still remember it really vividly, eh? And you know who it was? It was Kayla. I guess still remember I, yeah. about 30 seconds, 30 seconds before our first game in Lumia, Coach, Coach, I've got to go pee. What? <laughs> oh, I couldn't believe that. So, yeah, it was.
2: Just, yeah.
0: The girls were. I mean, the guys, you know, they just let go behind a tent somewhere, you know. But um, yeah.
2: yeah,
0: yeah, it was funny. And yeah, treating the the ladies was different, of course. Hey, and um, you know, the, the privacy factor and all that kind of stuff. And we, of course, we had Willie's wife there, mm-hmm. as a girl, chaperone. If you remember rightly, we had this room that we had in our hotel somewhere and she could have like, um, try to make private, um, maybe the room quite private by putting um, paper all over the windows <laughs> and stuff. Eh? I I can not remember it. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, hey. of course that was a little bit different. Yeah, but I'd never done a female team before, so it was different to treating the guys, but I will say one thing, I think the girls were probably harder and, and tougher than the guys in some respects. <laughs> though. I thought it was cool, yeah
1: that's interesting guys can be real
0: prima donnas you know and rugby and hand out all the time and and you know and just totally demanding whereas the girls would sort of um yeah they they were tougher harder and sometimes in some respects you know in terms of more gratitude yeah so it was great
1: well that's it's nice to hear that and i'm i didn't know that was your first experience i had no idea i would have never guessed
0: never treated a ladies team before yeah but it was cool yeah we but were, I do remember getting to um, the airport with with Coach Willie, and he, he picks me up and says, "Pete, we've got a problem." And I went, what's that? He says, "We've got, only got nine players." I went, "What?" Yeah, yeah, two or three of them are pregnant, and I went, "Oh my goodness." <laughs> <laughs> and um, I can't remember. So we only had, yeah, did we have nine or eight? I can't remember. We only had like we have how many? Nine. I think we had-, had nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of th- instead of twelve or thirteen. And, um, and I
1: think um, one of. One of one, I forget who got injured on, on the last day, and so we wound up with eight. But
0: we, we ended up with eight, and then of course in that game, which I still remember it because, you know, we could have beaten Rarotonga, and mm-hmm. um, that, that's when uh, now I remember her name because it's the same name as one of the girls from Jersey Shore. <laughs> I know uh, you captain the pack?
1: Starts with the yes, J. Um,
0: <laughs> who? Jen. <laughs> Jen. Yeah. <laughs> and, and she's got the same name as one of the girls from, um, from Jersey Shore, right? Yes. Yeah, Jen Farley. Yeah, that's it. And of course, she, she actually had that severe spinal injury, that the neck injury. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: that's the second time I've been in a situation where we had to lie on the ground and hold, hold her head and everything. And then we had to whip off in the um, ambulance, her husband in the ambulance with us, ripping through the streets of Meer. I didn't tell you, probably didn't have a chance to tell you because that was a crazy trip, man. That was right flying through the streets and up into this old hospital where the technology was way behind. It was crazy, yeah. But that game, I still remember Tiffany Talata, I think she was chasing this ball down, and we're down by 10-5, and it was near the end of the game. And it's funny how you get memories like these things, eh? And uh, the ball was chipped through and on the angle, if she got it, she would have scored, but it went out.
1: I know and then I called
0: the game off. I and, know. I, and I that 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 was that was a fantastic performance by us against the Rautong because they were right well ahead of us. So yeah. Mm-hmm. That yeah.
1: yeah, that trip will forever that changed everything for me. That trip. That was my first yeah. time on the international stage. And so and then, you would have been pretty young, it, young then. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think I was 18. <laughs> 18, yeah, 18 right. Something along Yeah, with I
0: remember. That.
1: It was. Uh, definitely intense, but humbling. And yes, like. I just want to reiterate, we were so thankful to have you. Um, And you did make a huge impact, I believe, for us, especially with only nine players and having to make sure that you are going to play and you're going to play every single game and you're going to have to be okay with that. And so you taking that into account and doing everything possible, staying up until like midnight to make sure all of us are taken care of uh so can you tell me a little bit more about how you manage manage a day when we're on tour or when the men's team is on tour can you tell us more
0: about that on tour of course um well sometimes um without knowing the players you know would if the doc was there as well we'd just look at a list and we'd go through each player and maybe even get them through the room if we had enough time and say hey look Just give us a breakdown of what's been going on with your injuries and, you know, any any continual injuries or or ongoing injuries that you've got. Um, Anything we need to really address at the moment and have a list of the to-do list, you know, a red flag list for people with current injuries. And then a sort of a list of those that aren't injured. And and just start like that and have a a, sort of a a importance list and you look at the background, discuss how we're going to treat them with the doc and I, And cover over things like um, cramping, which obviously every time you played, it was Pretty hot in Asia. Oh, cramping yeah. issues and how we deal with that, and dietary uh, issues, and I'd take control of the diet as well because of my, you know, involvement with the, the bodybuilding and stuff. And but generally, I would I would have a list of players that were a, a top of importance, and then down to the least important. Then talk about timings and put my list on the wall, as you know. I'd, I'd try a list of um, appointments available, and um, so I would treat at least once. I'd, 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 I'd once a day, but sometimes I'd do it twice a day. It was really, if we're on our tour and there were some serious injuries, I'd have a morning treatment and an evening treatment, which, go, as you say, could go on from like uh, 8 o'clock after dinner, maybe to midnight every every day, yeah, and and set up those treatment times and start the only clinic. And, yeah, I mean, that, that was important to make sure that the players, and, and yeah, was make them accountable, keep their appointments. And, you know, what, what Coach Willie was like, if you didn't keep oh, your appointment that's... or you are late, if he said at a meeting was at 7 o'clock and you turned up at – Six uh, 655 you were late yeah
1: yeah right mm-hmm. yeah. he was a real early you're late <laughs> that,
0: that that um that discipline thing um that's a new zealand thing eh it's it's and, and coach tony tony pen with the with the um current men's team he <laughs> is even more so really oh, it's a big thing in new zealand and um the discipline factor which flows onto the field you know you gotta be and, and the bully would always always call it ABCs. remember that See oh. nothing, believe nothing, confirm everything. Right? I
1: still use that and in I, my everyday I, life, Coach.
0: <laughs> I, I use it all the time. In fact, I go A, B, C. I say, confirm it three times. You know, and and the number of times that that's been helpful. everything in life, you know. But confirm everything, and like Willie would always do that. He'd ring up, make sure the bus is there at eight o'clock. We're going to be there by nine, and then he'd bring the same courier, the same um, liaison officer again. Hey. Are we still there at seven? Yeah, yeah. And they do it three times, every time. Because <laughs> invariably,
2: mm-hmm. something's going to go wrong. Oh, so, oh yeah, always.
0: Yeah. So- yeah, so the players, they, they knew that they had to be, and they had to keep their appointments. And of course, on game day, that was really important as well, because I would make sure the food was all right for game day at the right time. And if I, I had my um, stuff with the um, cramping, you know, like, you know that stuff I bring along from Balance, which is a product of New Zealand, Mm-hmm. But taking at night time and taking on the day of the games, make sure that we didn't get cramps. And um, with the guys, particularly guys like Randy, who would cramp up terribly, <laughs> <early>. and Paul, <laughs> Paul's the same.
2: <laughs> we always have the usual suspects.
0: There. So we tried everything. You know, yeah, By the way, I went to a conference on um, sports medicine recently, and the big thing now is pickle juice. Have you heard of that? No. Like, no. Yeah. And, mean, it's, and it, it. works.
1: Personally, yes, but I haven't I
0: haven't heard of it being actual an actual topic. Well, in, in New Zealand now they're recommending it. The doctors they, they were going on behind the physiology behind it and stuff, but basically you had a jar of like pickles and pickled onions or um pickled gherkins. You just pour that and have a, a glass of that. Prior. I'm
1: not mad to, at it. I uh, love it. An
0: event where there was it was hot, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Crazy. Um, yeah. But yeah, so we do organize all that kind of stuff. And then of course before the game, I used to uh, the 15 players in seven or eight reserves for the rugby, for the fifteen side, I still have allow two hours for strapping, you know? <laughs> and of course, you do all the most important strappings first for the most important players in the team and then down the order you would have at the very end reserves who needed their line-out lifters and stuff like that. You know? yeah. So you'd have to have a list. But you'd have to have that list and, and do that and plan it properly as well. If you didn't do that, you'd come, you'd come and try, you know, get to the game and, People come up and say, coach, coach, can you do my ankle? Can you do my shoulder? How come you didn't put your name down on the list? Oh, I, you know, And they don't realize it. They learn then because you tell them off. say, like, hey, you need to have your name down and you need to have, um, if you've got a shoulder and an ankle, you need to allow 10 minutes, not five minutes. So yeah. players learn their, their responsibility is to get there on time and to tell me exactly what's strapped. And um, so that strapping is really important. So getting that organized and making sure it's all done. So you don't have really to get to the game. People are sweaty. People haven't had their legs shaven. With ladies it's different of course but with the guys you know haven't. so i always take my clippers that's another big tool to take yeah. along is, is, is your, your your hair clippers which mm-hmm. can shave people because you know if, as you know when you it's
1: going to take forever <laughs>
0: you know, shaving legs shaving anything on guys will just is hairy so that one the tape's going to stick and two it's not going to hurt them right yeah
2: yeah
0: yeah so that so yeah, all that kind of stuff you know you, you, that you learn from your own experience because i know and I've talked to other teams, physios and other team uh, members, and they looking at the physiotherapists they had over the years. Some of the best physiotherapists aren't the highest qualified, but they're the ones that have got the ABCs, they've the got the scrapping prepared. skills, they've, yeah. they've got that ability to um, communicate, they, they, they're, they're team players, you know? And some of the better physiotherapists with the, you know, higher qualifications don't make great team physiotherapist.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, so, I, yeah just thinking full circle now you are up all all night basically getting everybody yep. prepared for the next day and then on game yep. day you have to be up extra early to get those same players prepared for the actual match
0: that's right
1: yep. and then considering their diet considering anything that might happen during the actual match during right. the actual tournament yep um, and making yep. sure you're still available, but also holding the athletes accountable, and that communication piece is so important. That's right. Um,
0: yeah, and you know, of course, um, Coach Willie and and um, every team does it. You always have what you call, you know, we call them in New Zealand the dirty duty. Those are the people that aren't even playing. They're not even in the squad of the uh, twenty three or twenty. It's twenty two. It used to be twenty two, but you now twenty three or all of the ladies. You know, it's a couple of players that may not even be in the um, reserves. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones that uh, will carry your bag and your, your um, massage table, you know, at a certain time. They have to be there because time is everything. And they're the ones that go around and um, knock on the door and say, hey, take your drink, you know, your yeah. cramping drink and, and, yeah. um, and make sure that everything's done on time. So it's, it's vital to get those two. It's always two people to help you out with your kit and with everything else that you need to do on game day. So you've got to have them, and that's important in the team. They don't realise it, but it's an important job.
1: That's, that's, you know, yeah, you're so right. I, 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 man, it's been so long since I competed, but that piece is so important and that, that just only adds to how much you need to lean on your teammates and, and lean on everybody and make sure we're all working in a cohesive way. So everything goes according to plan because
0: yeah. Well, that's you right I mean okay. so you got you've you got, you got your doctor and you've got your, um, your manager like Steve Grantham you've got Dr Tom, people like that you've got your manager and those two guys they help out as well, um, yeah, and everyone has to do their job it's, and it's it's a vital cog eh, in the team and people don't realize it so
2: yeah, yeah.
0: but the physio. Yeah, you we're kind of, we're kind of like the um, the hairdressers, you know, who listen to everyone's story. You, you hear everything, eh? And sometimes you'll hear things that the coaches and the, and the managers don't hear, and you might sort of quietly, discreetly say, hey, did you know that Joe Bloggs has got this issue going on? And and no, oh, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. like, you, you you kind of hear everyone's stories, eh?
1: Oh, yeah. And I, I distinctly remember <laughs> a time where, you know, having an injury I think it was against either I think it was either Uzbekistan or Kazakhstan and got a stinger and I started to have like peripheral like my peripheralization of my symptoms and coach yeah. like get back in there and you're you're right there hearing this and he's just like no she's not playing <laughs> <Yeah>. anymore
0: <laughs> so right.
1: also just being an advocate when you need to be Well, uh, the
0: coach is, uh, he's ultimately the one that makes the call before the game, Mm -hmm. of course. Mm -hmm. But, you know, during the game, if you have a doctor on one side and a physio on the other side and something like that, then the doctor makes the final call. Yeah, that's always the way it's been. And um, the physiotherapist might be the only one that's first there. And you may not have any, you may have one physio, no doctor. So then you have to take over the realm of the doctor. And I've been like that a few times where the doc's give me, you know, medications like Voltaren, anti-inflammatories, you know. um, and painkillers and all sorts of stuff. And you have to be an administrator of pills, which is, you know, it's pretty big responsibility. And you have to make the final call. But generally, if you're on the field and there's a decision to be made where someone comes off, it's the doc who makes the ultimate call, yeah. yeah.
1: You can
0: make, you know, you can give, you can give your opinion, but yeah, with, of course with us, when we were in um, Nemea the first time, there was no doc, it was
1: exactly. just, just us. Yeah, just us. It yeah. <laughs> was very small yeah. then.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah.
1: So if there is one thing just with all these experiences that you could give to current physios, physical therapists, or physiotherapists, physical therapists, hopefuls, what would you offer? One tip? Mm-hmm.
0: I'd one say one do one. it. I still, I still think it's the greatest profession, eh? Oh,
2: yeah. And I
0: was so <laughs> wrapped when you when you took it up because uh, I, I think there's, there's so much opportunity. Okay, with COVID, it's different now mm-hmm. but the, the opportunity especially if you're interested in sports medicine and, and being involved in team physiotherapy if you're really keen I'd say yeah just just go for it and 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 try and strive for you've got to remember that you just don't go straight into the all black team or something like that right. um, or like a White team or the chiefs team unless you've done your, you've done your time you've got to do your time
2: mm-hmm. and a
0: lot of uh, these young physiotherapists they get a little bit keen sometimes and I think they go straight into a, um, a senior role but you've got to start up with a club which I did Mm-hmm. And then work your way up, and, and slowly it could take years before you finally get there. But you just be persistent, and when you get to be part of a team, even if it's not the All Blacks, even if it's just a, a club side or it's going or a Waikato team, it's, it's it's a great experience. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, and then you also got to remember that, that um, when coaches change, you can sometimes lose position. There's been a couple of times where I lost positions in top provincial sides when coaches come in, and it's no reflection on the physio. You got to remember, don't take it personally. Yeah, you you can lose your job um, only because it's not because you're a bad physiotherapist, just because the coach comes in, just like Coach Willie did with me, and bring someone in. Yeah, and I've seen physiotherapists lose their rag over it and say the wrong kind of things and burn their bridges and never ever get a good position again. Mm -hmm. And I can remember a classic example. Like I was the Waikato team physiotherapist for six years, and we had a fantastic team and we're going through, and we were number one or two in the country. New coach comes in. And Tim Robinson, one of my rival physiotherapists at a rival club in Hamilton, he got the job. Mm
2: -hmm. So
0: you know what I did? The first thing I did is I rang him up, I congratulated him. I said, hey man, good on you. And gave him some advice and he really appreciated it. And Kevin, the coach, Kevin Green, was coaching Waikato back in 92, three to about 96. Um, I always got on really well with him and off the field. And I saw him in the street after he'd named this other physiotherapist. And I think he thought I was going to give him a Serve, <laughs> yeah, give him a hard time. I said, Hey man, look, no, 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 it's no bad blood. I know, I know how it works. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, John Mitchell, the all black coach, he took over the Chiefs in 2001. He picked me, right? And one of my other colleagues, good physiotherapist, he lost his job. He got really angry about it. Yeah. I, I didn't care about it. He got angry and didn't say it to me, but told other people what he thought. Mm-hmm. Then John Mitchell lost the job in 2002, and Kevin Green, that same coach that dropped me, that took Tim in 92, the same Waikato coach who uh, was then able to pick his physiotherapist, he picked me. He said, no, nah, I'll take Peter. And um, because I had that story, I a good relationship. But if I got really upset about it, and when I saw him in the street and gave him a bit of a serve or let him know how upset I was, I wouldn't have got the job. So mm-hmm. I got the chief, I got the chief's job for a few more years because I kept my relationship going with those players. And I didn't take it personally. Some people do. Yeah, you
1: just, yeah. you can't, <laughs> You you really can't. Yeah. And I mean, uh, yeah, any, any, anything you do in life, especially when it comes to your career, even just as an athlete, the way you present yourself yeah. and, and how you behave towards other, it's, it's a reflection yeah. of you. It's a reflection of your team. And, and then on, in certain, certain platforms and stages, it's a reflection of your country. And so yeah. it's all these things, but it always boils down to those relationships that you
0: Yeah, it does. Are so, and um and that's what being and that's what being part of a team is, you know.
1: Exactly. You,
0: you can't you can't take it personally, and you know you also got to remember my advice too to um physiotherapists, you know, is on field decision making. You can sometimes make a mistake. Again, you, you can wear it on the chin and be really upset with yourself, but sometimes things happen on the field, and you you've got to be accountable. And like John Mitchell was really great. Like if you made a mistake on the field and you made a call, maybe you said a player wasn't injured and you left him on the field and he became a liability and resulted in the team scoring a try I, I, again i can think of a, a classic example that happened with me and um he didn't take it personally he said look what, what did you do wrong what are you going to do about it let's not put it, let's not um, talk about it anymore put it behind you and move on
2: exactly
0: and, and it, it just you'd appreciate this because it's happened to other physiotherapists before it happened with um, the all-black captain sam kane two years ago when he Walked off the field with a, a fractured C4, totally unstable. Like, mm-hmm. he showed me the x-ray. If he'd fallen or slipped, he would have been in quadriplegic. So he hurt his neck in South Africa. And the team physio and the team doctor came out. And, and Sam's tough.
2: Mm-hmm. And they
0: said to him, hey, man, we need to put you on a collar. Let's just, just make sure. He goes, "Nah, I don't want to do that. I want to walk off. I'm all right. There was no red flags, no tingling in the arms. There was nothing to suggest that he had a, a broken neck. Just maybe a little bit of whiplash. And... Um, he was getting a little bit of pain radiating into his shoulder but nothing that was ever to suggest a severe injury that, and which required surgery and he walked off the field and then they should have put him in a, you know, in a, in a special um, collar and put him into a, into a stretcher and carried him off on the gurney they didn't and afterwards they were horrified and they were really criticised badly for that they were two great doctors and physios mm-hmm. just because Sam was a tough guy he said no, 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 I'm not going off on a stretcher no, bugger that." and he walked off and he got into the um, into the changing room and collapsed. Wow. And then started having radiating symptoms down his arm. That's when they realised and they were horrified that they hadn't done the right thing. But anyway, my my situation, we were playing for the Chiefs, we were playing against the Sharks from South Africa. Mm-hmm. And one of our number eights who, this is another thing too, you need, you need to know what a player's sort of pain levels are like. He was a wimp. He would always wimp and moan about an injury on the field when generally he didn't have a major problem. He was able to carry on. He always screamed and yell and you know, overreact and catastrophize <laughs> anyway, he went down on the field and hurt his arm to his shoulder
2: mm-hmm. and
0: we got out there and what we didn't know he'd completely ruptured his pec pec major ripped off but because it had ripped there was no severe pain a bit of shock at first but there was no severe pain because there was no ends to hurt right mm-hmm. so we get out there and with a pec tear you have full elevation right and that's a big thing you check out the elevation they could do it and is it sore no it's not too bad coach not too bad to me and, to, and to the doctor and everything else and he said okay you can carry on playing, and then when he went on to the first tackle, that's when he realised the arm just flopped backwards, and oh, he let a try, and a try was scored because he missed the tackle. And afterwards, we realised what had gone on, we got onto the field and dragged him off, and then we found out, and so and the doctor, who's New Zealand's top sports top Olympic and sports doctor, Chris Milne, and myself, we got um, into a, a special meeting with a doctor uh, with our coach, John Mitchell, and said, "No, what did you guys do wrong? Or, we just misread it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We thought one that the guy, because he normally catastrophizes, wasn't screaming about his shoulder, so I thought it was okay. Yeah. Secondly, it was a pec tear, and you know you don't normally see it's unusual,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and yeah, so you can actually make so yeah, you got to you got to be accountable for your on on field decision making. That's another big one too.
1: Okay. You
0: only get one chance to make the right call.
1: <laughs> yes, this is really awesome advice because yeah. <laughs> you, you really you know you're taught these things right different grades of muscle tears and yeah but in that instance i don't think i would have thought that it was a full tear of the picture
0: no no no. It's the only one i've ever seen only one i've ever seen and funnily enough you know sam kane the all-black um captain who plays for our team the chiefs Mm -hmm. he's one person i've had a lot of time with he did his this year he ruptured his pec and he's out he's had surgery and he's off for the whole year
1: oh my goodness
0: The same guy broke his neck two years ago. (laughs) It
1: it just goes back to that: assume nothing, believe nothing, confirm everything.
0: (laughs) Really? Can you you imagine? You you imagine in a a game, like say it's a World Cup final, and Mm -hmm. your star player, say Dan Carter from the All Blacks, right? And and five minutes into the game, you're playing the South Africa in a World Cup final, and Dan Carter sustains what looks to be like a hematoma of the of the quad, but you don't know how bad it is. And um, and you think normally you'd take that player off, but he's the vital cog in the team and it's the World Cup final. And the coach is saying, what are you going to do? You know, you think, shit, he you know, he, he's going to be a liability. You would take him off. And you take him off and he can't come back on again. That's the rules, um, unless he's a front row forward. And you take him off and five minutes later, he's running up and down the field saying, hey, coach, I don't, I don't know what the um, doc and the physio took me off. I can, I can play, but it's too late. You make that call? That's Ooh. the extreme... That's sort of the worst-case scenario. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything's on the line.
0: <laughs> oh, it is? <laughs> yeah, so. Well,
2: anyway,
0: so. But you're saying Sam Kane, he's, he's from Hamilton. He's a local boy, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you been watching the All following them at all?
1: Yeah, 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 I have. Yeah. And, I mean, really, well, since PT school, that's been far more difficult and then also time, time differences. But for when I can, I do. Um, yeah. But so, Coach this is another question because I, you know, for, for me, I haven't started practicing just yet. I, and of course, you know, I'm an athlete and I just want to know how do you balance being a physio and being an athlete simultaneously? How,
0: yeah. You just, when I was a physio athlete slash um, sprinter slash bodybuilder, yeah.
1: <laughs> that was the
0: hardest part. But for me with, with my own business, what I, what I do is I start early and I finish late. So I started, uh, 6.45 a.m. in the morning, and um, I usually get home around about the same time, and what I did was I allow three hours during the break, yeah, three hours at lunchtime, so I can get to the gym, I can do my training. When I was a track athlete, I could do some training during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, for the last two years, when I had my clinic, the first two years of my, of my clinic, 85 to 87, when I was still a track athlete, I could go and train at lunchtime as well, we're having that big break, yeah, yeah and so um, three hours break, I could have my shower my feed and and get back to work in time and um still do a sort of eight and a half to nine hour day Mm
2: -hmm. so for me
0: being the boss but that's a different scenario to being someone employed right yeah it'll be different yeah Yeah. it'll be very difficult yeah but that's how I did it and um then of course at night time I could plan my meals and what I was going to take to work with me and my protein bars and my supplements and all that kind of stuff I could work it out at night time and it was easy Mm -hmm. but yeah
1: Finding well, it, time in the day. it wasn't easy
0: it was it was it was manageable yeah
1: yeah finding finding time to carve out during the day and then be doing your due diligence the night before yeah and making sure everything is set up for success the next day so to speak
2: yeah yeah
1: okay but <laughs> easier said than done <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness
2: yeah
1: uh yeah. well so what are some of the best resources that you feel has helped you along the way, whether it be athlete, physio, anything, your, your big go-tos when, when you need.
0: With the, with the, um, with with the um, athletics, of course um, when I was uh, in terms of resources, my father was my coach and, you know, in New Zealand, we have a thing called the Halberg awards. They're like the, it's a very prestigious award for sportsman, sportswoman of the year, team of the year, coach of the year. You have massive crowd. It's it's, it's huge. And it's live on television, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, my dad, he won that award at age 87 for the lifetime achievement in sport. Wow. Because I don't know whether you know that. He co- my dad coached 135 New Zealand sprint champions.
1: <laughs> 135. 135.
0: Yeah. 100. Know, you might have seen it on Instagram, but there was, it been, there was, it was if you go to my Instagram and go back two or three years ago, you'll see me with a penguin suit on, you know, with a bow tie and everything. And <laughs> um, and and, there, and yeah, my dad went up there when we were at this big auditorium, There was four thousand people, and they did the life story of my dad, and they showed me as a sprinter and all this kind of stuff with dad and me and dad going to the because he was also a manager at the World Cup, and I went over to Rome and stuff. And yeah, so having that when that was my resource, my dad was he. I started sprinting when I was five years old, when I was a little kid, you know, and then I won my first. Provincial title or state title when I was eight, but having my dad as my coach, it was amazing. And when I won my national title,
2: mm-hmm. I
0: had a real emotional experience about it. I, I could I just look back and something I just, I just um yeah you know, a light bulb went off and I realised just how much I owe my dad. So on the medal I engraved his name on it. I put Barry Hunt on it and my name because they didn't normally engrave your names on it. Yeah. And I sent him this letter and I've I've got it still because he he gave it to me to keep because he's 90 now and he's on his last few years. And on the letter. I just told him how much I appreciated what he'd done for me. It was really cool. So that was my dad. With the bodybuilding, um, I had a coach for the first year, and the rest of the time I just self-explored the internet. And self was in, a, in, in the infancy in those days, but self-explored different programs from Arnold. Arnold was a big influence for me. Arnold Schwarzenegger. I read his book back to front. Arnold book. It's like a bible of bodybuilding for me. I followed, his
2: <laughs> I followed
0: Arnold's principles, like a lot of bodybuilders do. Mm -hmm. and um yeah um and then i just uh i got i got advice from a lot of people um but yeah i worked i worked it out for myself so i coached myself really in bodybuilding and then i coached other people of course but as far as physio goes of course my biggest influence in physiotherapy and the way i treat people is brian mulligan Mm
2: -hmm. have Mm -hmm. you
0: heard of brian mulligan oh yes he's he's (laughs) new zealand's most well-known respected manual therapist yeah Mm -hmm. and he's written books if you get any book you want to Brian Mulligan's little book, it's only small, little small paperback book on how to mobilise and treat people, musculoskeletal mobilisations. Um, yeah, I've based a lot of my, um, my treatment principles on the Brian Mulligan way of treating people. Okay. Yeah. So, and I've been to every course he's ever done, went to his last big course where we had a big dinner and we sat beside each other, me and Brian, and he's in his um, late 80s now. So wow. yeah, he's, he's the biggest influence, by far the biggest influence on my physiotherapy career.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And the result, and you don't need a lot of information from Brian Mulligan. He's his, his, his way that he, he treats and, and mobilizes with um, movement with mobilization. I know we've heard of them before, but like, for instance, a classic example is most rotator cuff injuries, if they're chronic enough, will have a, an anterior displacement, like a slight glide forward. You know, you see it in bodybuilders who think they walk around like, like a gorilla with their shoulders anteriorly displaced, right? And um, one of Brian's favorite techniques for getting rotator cuffs to settle down and for any in range, you know, lateral rotation, external rotation, in range elevation problems is that he puts a safety belt around them from behind and he glides the shoulder back at the same time the patient's doing elevation at the same time.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't know
0: if we've heard of it, but it's one of the famous techniques. And then you can get miraculous improvements in someone's elevation of the shoulder, external rotation of the shoulder, and the rotator cuff just comes right. He also believes that nine times out of 10 when you get an um, anterior talofibular ligament ankle sprain, case inversion sprain, mm-hmm. that when you get the inversion sprain, because of the angle of the ATFL, that it pulls the fibula at the bottom anteriorly, maybe mm-hmm. only a, a minute or two, and it's, it's slightly displaced. So you, when you, when, from day one when they come in, yeah, and it's painful, you'll actually strap the fibula backwards and glide it in a posterior glide. And then keep them in a, in a stirrup strap after you've done that. So you glide first into your stirrups and they will recover two times quicker than any you know, other ankle sprain. There's stuff like that. Two pearls of wisdom from him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, yeah, that's just two things that I could mention. That's, that's, the, that's the way he works.
1: <laughs> For somebody. Yeah, you
0: learn from experience.
1: During, yeah. during a tournament, like
0: this person. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I advise you to get Brian Mulligan's book. Yeah, okay. you know, you know, you search it online and get it. It's only a little small book about you know, probably uh, 120 pages, 130 pages, and it's got everything from treating neck, lower back with, with snags and nag techniques, and all the seatbelt mobilization techniques and all the principles behind it. It's, it's an amazing book, and it's, it's my Bible. Yeah, and there's, there's a lot of other books I've got, but that's the one book i go to. Yeah.
1: Mm. and so you briefly mentioned instagram is that is that where people who are interested in connecting with you or learning more about you is that where they can yeah
0: yeah if they want you they can connect me through i'm not i haven't got a big instagram account but uh yeah people get in in touch with me like you did through instagram yeah uh like my email that you've got Mm -hmm. peter dennis hunt email yeah i'm not a big social i haven't got a facebook
1: and oh you know what i i tried to i tried to restart it and i realized that was a big mistake i no longer have it i'm back i'm back on the no facebook yeah uh, i
0: think you know the thing about social media as you know that fomo thing is is a is a and you see it all around the world with um of, of <laughs> oh. the young kids they're looking at all their friends so-called having the greatest time in their lives but in reality they've all got backstories they're all depressed and Anxious and, and things aren't that well, they aren't that rosy. Eh? you know, and they they see all this stuff going on on Instagram, but it's it's so fake, it's it's not realistic. Yeah, and um, oh, you know, I don't know. I, I've seen um, a few of my friends have to just cut their Facebook; they get addicted to it, and Instagram as well sometimes. And they get a uh, one negative comment out of about a hundred, and and it freaks them out or not. You know, it's like know. Yeah. it's not it's not it's not good for the mental health eh? No.
1: Yeah. So. We're wrapping things yep. up. My last yep. question What's your favorite muscle? Oh, wait. Shoulders, doubts. <laughs> Guns,
0: like... shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> Straight away, I, my favorite, they've always been striated doubts. I ah, yeah. tie in between the doubts and the biceps and the triceps, you know, and the big shoulders, the big melons on the side. My favorite, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I, oh I, wait, speaking of which, are you are you are you getting ready for any competitions speaking
0: of being no i i don't know whether you saw my instagram but I, I went to romania when i was um when i turned 60 i'm 65 next year I
2: know,
0: I know. yeah yeah but i went to romania uh when i turned 60 and that was my last competition and, and uh, mm-hmm. that was 2017 but no not not really but i'm training hard i, I i'm still strong and gym, and i haven't done powerlifting for a while because i i actually um Got The whites of my eyes, you know, and they blew out when I was doing some deadlifting. <laughs> I don't know this. you can go back and look at my Instagram shots going way back, but yeah, what happened was, um, I really over exerted myself and I kind of semi collapsed. And then my eyes, the whites of my eyes, they just blew out and they went completely red. And went to a cardiologist and got a, a blood pressure pump on my arm for 24 hours and just to see if my blood pressure got too high. And it was getting too high when I was actually moving around, not when I was resting. Mm-hmm. So they had put me on blood pressure tablets. It's a, it's a family history thing. My father, my father had it, mm-hmm. and the I was advised not to do any one-off powerlifting type lift uh-huh. anymore. Like you know, I, so that, that year I did a 270 kilo squ- uh, deadlift, which is 600 pound deadlift, yeah, <laughs> and a 261 <laughs> kilo squat, which is about I think 550 squat, 100%. and a 162.5 bench, which is about 350 pounds. Yeah, that was my best, and that was it. I haven't done it again since I just do reps. But I try train not as a powerlifter. I train as a, like you're doing. I'm doing I'm doing um just bodybuilding reps now.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you are, you
0: are you going to do a competition?
1: I I have talked to my coach about potentially doing a mock meet in the coming months. Yeah. Uh Only because I I really don't know much about the sport itself. I haven't been introduced to it before. I mean, you yeah. know, with, with our programming, with Paul and Ryan, if we do have any type of weightlifting, it's it's Olympic style um, in nature, not necessarily- Yeah, snatch workout.
0: and clean and jerk. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And so just, I mean, only being introduced to the sport in December, January, and yep. building up those those movements being comfortable in those yep. positions and so now that i think that we've kind of gotten to the swings of things got into a, a a motion or a rhythm i should say that we are looking to potentially take that next step so doing a mock
0: into a power thing, so a like,
1: powerlifting. yeah, yeah, powerlifting.
0: yeah. Look, i've got a few late a few ladies that i've helped out um over the years and one lady man she she was like um just this tiny little thing but she came out and she just blew all the records away eh? she just like you she had good technique and it was amazing to watch hey eh?
1: oh, and then she yeah.
0: then she went on from there and she did a a, a um a bodybuilding competition as well
1: yeah that's um
0: yeah i mean yeah she i think she did something like you know 135 deadlift what's that two 280 or 290 or something yeah, yeah. Say, that's
1: that's Pretty
0: damn good. <laughs> what, what, so, what are you doing? What, what's your personal best, like for one rep maximum? Uh,
1: for so, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do pounds because I'm just terrible with Kgs. But um, yes. so right now, my squats 210, my bench is 150, and my deadlift is 300.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. That's a good deadlift. That's about 135, 140. Yeah you yeah, know i mean but good.
1: man coach i wish you could see when when us and the girls would train in the gym i mean the programming that ryan and paul had us on uh, i mean kayla's hitting 300 deadlift uh liv is hitting 300 deadlift like we were yeah so unbelievably strong it, i i mean I, I, and that's what i i think i i owe like having such a great foundation is training under those two individuals and in then yeah. course, uh for, for years on end and, and seeing how that can, you know, that consistency really, really shows in, in, in those numbers.
0: Yeah. Really I've seen, I've seen um, on the Instagram stuff, some of the programs that and they, look, they look really good. I mean, you should pursue it because it's a, it's a great, you know, thing about powerlifting is um, it's a real camaraderie sport because, mm-hmm. you know, you can go into your first competition. There might be 10 ladies, right. And mm-hmm. um, you might come last, but you might do personal best in every lift and man, you don't care. You just, no. you, you, you exceed everything. Yeah. And you get your three personal best and you're, you're it's you against the turn, right? That's it. And all the other people are really right behind you. It's fantastic. And yeah. there's yeah. no cattiness. Generally, oh. there's a real good camaraderie. Eh? I love it. Yeah. And bodybuilding, you know, you used to get cattiness out the back and everyone's narcissistic, looking at each, <laughs> each other in the mirror. And like and it's, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's pretty much, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's not a nice sport, but, but powerlifting is. It's a great sport. Yeah, Yeah, I'm excited.
1: I I love the community that my coach has created online. Um, Yeah. He's a physio in Canada. So um, all of our interactions have been through the phone or the computer.
0: Yeah. But I know. I mean, you should go for it. So I'll I'll be uh, really uh, interested to see what you can do because I think your technique looks pretty good. Hey, like (laughs) your bench bench press, your bench press, man, the way that you get your um, thoracic arch and then slowly drop your butt down and get that basically make it a decline, right? Mm-hmm. i never i could never really get a really good arch in my back my that's why my bench press should have been stronger mm-hmm. and um because as you know on bench press um you've got to have your feet flat your bum down your shoulders down and but if you can get that big arch in your back like you do and then bring your bum down and then come down it's 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 yeah that's a real gift though eh?
1: I mean, I'm, I'm gonna be honest i didn't realize i, I mean relatively speaking because there's always going to be someone like way mega stronger but i i didn't realize that i how how uh solid my bench is Um, and until after being told by a number of people and i i and i asked you know people who have competed and i asked you know their their numbers and stuff and when i'm being told certain things about benches i'm actually surprised I, i i had no idea no idea
0: yeah no i can see straight away your technique's excellent you know and your deadlift and your squat i mean it using the power of your legs and just keeping that, 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 that position of your back the way you've been doing it, I think it's fantastic. So you just want to keep going.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, so when,
0: when would you do it? When would you do your first like um, competition, you reckon?
1: Um, probably if you do one. anywhere between four to six months from now. Oh, oh real competition. Woo! Let's see how the yeah. mock meet goes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and I mean, right now I'm studying for the licensure exam that I'm, I'm going to take it in August. And then immediately after I'm moving back home, to Guam and so you know I think once once I get that mock me under underneath my belt then I could I could consider potentially competing and and yeah so it, yeah. it just opened my eyes up so much I didn't realize there is a powerlifting community back on Guam and they have yeah positions at custom fitness uh, yeah so it's just really exciting to potentially meet new athletes and link up with people in a completely different sport that i'm not used to so i i'm really oh, do uh, I, then- I don't doubt that i will after i do this mock me you know
0: yeah oh, cool that'd be great and then which and the, the federation that i was competing in, i mean it's the world iepf that's international powerlifting Federation. because there's about three federations hey eh? do you know that
2: there's a like, yeah there's uh, a
0: bunch <laughs> The best one, the most, the most respected one is the IPF. That's International Powerlifting Federation. And Then there's, uh, I think, one called Global Federation or something,
2: GPC (laughs) Global
0: Powerlifting Corporation or something. Yeah, there's two or three of them. But the one that the most, the most accepted and prestigious one, I think, is the IPF.
1: Okay. And the
0: Americans love that too. So. Oh yeah. (laughs) Hey, um, did you watch the NCAA athletics?
1: No, I didn't. I know. you Hear about that? There's a lady there. Crazy
0: there was a lot of there's a lot of freshmen that did really well um there was a girl she's only 18 i think and the 800 and the 400 her last name's mu mu mm-hmm. mu yeah she ran like 49.6 in the 400 the fastest in the world and she ran like i think it was 156 155 in the 800 and she's going to be the olympic champion i mean if she doesn't win it oh. this year she'll she she will probably break all the world records she's only a just a, a new freshman, and I can't remember which, which um, team she ran for, but I was watching on on on, um, on TV on ESPN. It was amazing,
1: unbelievable,
0: yeah, yeah. That the way the NCA track. I mean, I think probably fifty percent of the athletes that won their um, individual titles will probably go on to make the Olympic team. That's that's how strong they are. The sprinters and stuff. And it's incredible, amazing, and Just- they're all young. Yeah. <laughs> so what what's your college called? University of Virginia. Uh-
1: uh, Ma- Mary Baldwin University, uh, and then they, they do have the satellite campus, Murphy Deming College of Health Sciences. But Mary Baldwin okay. University is the that actual overlying university that I went to. Um,
0: okay.
1: So it's about a minute. That's in
0: hour Virginia. Hour, yeah.
1: Yes, it's an hour and a half away yeah. from where I'm at right now here in Richmond. But. Okay. Yeah. Well. Cool. Thank you so right. much, Coach Pete. This has been so much fun. This is great. And I hope you're okay, okay. with me potentially sharing this on Instagram. Yeah.